Because <laughs> that's how that's our that's new how theme song. Oh, yeah, might as well. Like every episode, cold opens that I don't tell you anything about. Uh, welcome once again to True North Nerds. This episode is a great track expectations episode where we watch an episode of Deep Space Nine and review it. Uh, with the, me is the usual cast of characters. Uh, Kevin is here. Hello. Ryan is here. Hello. And Jen is here. Hello. And I'm Brent. Um, so, yeah, that we're, uh, we're now getting, uh, further into the Deep Space Nine season of, uh, or part of season one. This week's episode is called Babble. Oh. Anyone want to take a guess on what it's about? I if know this know, one. Please excuse me. I know this one. I'm out. Okay. Oh. We'll go, we'll go with Ryan. What do you think Babble is going to be about? I have no idea. <laughs> Good guess. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to guess language, miscommunication. I'm thinking maybe more like Babylon, like that kind of... There'll be time, we'll be able to... I forgot to turn my phone off. <laughs> That's uh, I would say we now should, for Jen. I would say we should start charging for that, but I can't really charge my wife for that because it comes out of my pocket too. Oh, <laughs> no, but my text is important. When you evolve a Pikachu with a hat, you get a Raichu with a hat. That That's would be important. Tracy? That, that would Tracy? be Tracy. Yeah, Tracy. How does she know that? Tracy's I don't know. Probably on the show Say, no, no pictures, or it doesn't. It's not real. No pictures, or it didn't happen. <coughs> uh, anyway, but you know, I'm thinking maybe something you know, like the whole like Babylon. You know, kind of draw. You know, draw some parallels to all that. Like, I don't know. Jamaican Babylon, like jail. No. It's like, a, it's a, it's an oblique Babylon Five reference. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the whole episode is just a fuck you to Babylon. <laughs> uh, do you remember this one? Do I remember yes. this one? Yeah, yeah, actually, I did. After the problem with playing this game is uh, somebody's got to look up what the actual title is, and more often than not, that just gives it away. So, yeah, I I, I know what it's about, but uh, I'm kind of curious to see uh, how it's going to unfold and who's the main characters in it and stuff. And it feels like forever since we've watched an episode, so I'm very excited about watching another one. Yeah, and and just coinc- coinciding yet again with one of our recordings, they announced new cast members for Discovery. Yes, they yes. did. A lot of Klingons. Yeah, so I guess Klingons see are how that part of it. For what, the, the new one? Villains? Yeah, for, the, for Discovery, the new show. We don't know. 
Yeah. But they're major recurring characters, so... Yeah, they're signed on for more than a couple episodes. Yeah. So, interesting. Everything that's now coming out about that show just makes me more and more curious mm-hmm. about it. It's a, I, I assume we'll probably review it when the first episode hits at some point. Um, which is still May, May but May. I, I wouldn't bet on it. I, I, it's like, I know they're working on it heavily, but even with casting going, I'm thinking it might get de- delayed till September. And then at this point, in we're in mid-December right now, we still don't even know who the lead is. Yeah, then they're keeping that really quiet. Really quiet. Which yeah. makes me wonder, have they found someone yet? Yeah. And I think that's in, a good question. They they may have, and they might just be keeping it under wraps, or they may have no Fillion. clue. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a Latina woman. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, it's that Nathan so? Fillion as a Latina woman. There you go. <laughs> he could do it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he could pull it off. <laughs> I think he pull off this, it's one of those things that I always like it in one of those Kevin Smith uh, talking Shows that he does his view on Ben Affleck. Yep. He can be like, the shark in he Jaws. He can be the shark in Jaws. <laughs> well, I suppose the shark in Jaws doesn't act very much either. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm Thanks. Not now we can't have Ben Affleck on the show without there being a, tension. a little bit Jeez. of tension between you and Ben. Oh, there would be tension between me and Ben, but it may not be hostile. <laughs> <laughs> He's good looking. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I find it it's sort of interesting that unlike the last set of announcements where I knew who those people were, I don't know any of these actors. I'm not saying they're not great actors. They're just uh, lesser known. Yeah. Um, it looks like um, Chris Obi is playing a character named Takovma, a Klingon leader who's seeking to unite the Klingon houses. And he was in, he must be British, because he was in Doctor Who, State of Play, Snow White and the Huntsman, and he's going to be in American Gods. And then there's Shazad Latif, who is playing Cole, and he was in MI5, Black Mirror. Oh, he was in the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. Yeah, so he's another Another definitely British British actor. So the Klingons are all British. And then someone named Mary Chieffo is playing Laurel, and... Her credits include a 2015 stage production of Othello and uh, credits in such films as Girls, Girls, Girls and Natural Disasters. And I don't know any of those. I don't know any of her credits. The, so. uh, the one thing about it is the is the, we, we just said, well, we don't know those actors very well. Yep. But really, the outside world probably doesn't know any of these actors incredibly well. Like the outside, the the nerd community. Hmm. Michelle Yeoh is probably the most known, and yeah. like, and sadly, like outside of Asia, it's going to be referenced by yeah. the fact that she was either a in Jackie Chan movies, or or Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or b that she was in that one Bond movie, yeah. Once Upon a Time, yeah. right? Mm. And same with, like, Doug Jones. A lot of people have seen him in plenty of things, but n- probably nobody knows who he is. True. Yeah. And uh, same with the, the the guy from Rent, right? Like, yeah. He's uh, been in plenty of stuff. Theater but... nerds will know who Anthony Rapp yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. But outside general pub- public are yeah. like, man, I saw the movie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, or maybe some of them caught the Broadway version of, of the play, mm-hmm. but... So, um, anyways, we are going to go downstairs into the the basement of the studio, which is also doubles as mine and Jen's house, 
And we're going to uh, watch this episode of Deep Space Nine. In the meantime, before we get back, uh, we hopefully have a couple of uh, commercials or things that inserted in between. They tide you over for a minute until we get back, which will, for us, be like 40. So it's kind of like an episode of being the Flash, <laughs> but not zoom, as zoom, zoom. fun. <laughs> Speaking of which, does anybody, after last week's stuff, should all those DC shows just be titled DC Heroes? We shouldn't be allowed to time travel. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> we need to be done with time travel on all the shows except Legends. It's yeah. Flash is basically Barry Allen screws up the universe. Yeah. Exactly. Or multiple universes. I want to write that. DC, that is the book I want to write. I want to write a kid's Flash book called... Barry Allen screws up the universe. <laughs> do it in like the Tiny Titans style. The, there you the, go. That'd be, yeah, that'd be so awesome. That's my pitch. DC, you heard? Me. Did you hear what the Tiny Titans guys uh, just got signed to? Oh, uh, yeah, I saw it. What it, was it? It's Little Archie. That's right. That's part of the the whole whack of announcements they made today. Yeah. And uh, a favorite of mine and Jen's, uh, Katie Cook, is doing a Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yay! Uh, one shot nice. along <clears> with uh, her. Cohart uh, Andy Price from My Little Pony, so Yay! that should be it. That should be good. They're all one shots, though. I think to start, aren't they? Um, I'm not sure. I thought the Little Archie book was an ongoing. Oh, maybe. And there's a there's another one called Jughead the Hunger or Jughead the. That it, sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> that it, should it's be. Part, it's more in line with the the afterlife with Archie book than it is <laughs> the regular stuff, but. Anyways, uh, here's our quick commercial break, and we'll be back with our review of Deep Space Nine episode, Babel. <coughs> and we're back. I hope you uh, enjoyed those lovely messages from friends of ours, uh, po- probably other podcasts or, or something. We haven't quite figured it out yet. Yeah, but this po- at this point in recording, we don't actually have the ads. We're, those are going to be all inserted later, because we're banking these episodes. And so we watched Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The episode was called Babel, and both Ryan and Jen pretty much called it on it being involving language. No, no, no. I called I, it. I, Ryan I said, said nothing. I don't know. Oh. I win. I thought you, I thought you added on to it. Nah, no, not really. So, uh, yep, the, the episode is about uh, a virus being unleashed on, in the station via food replicators, and everybody can't talk. Well, they can talk. Well, they just, they, make, they, no they, they just make no sense. They um, babble. So we'll go around the table. Uh, Kevin, what do you no. think of this episode? Oh, I, I like this episode. This was another episode where we got some nice character moments with pretty much everybody. There didn't seem to... At the beginning, it felt like it was going to be an O'Brien-focused episode. Which got but, me excited. Yeah, but by the end, it, but. it was a real sort of ensemble piece, and uh, and everybody got their turn to shine, which was which was nice in a cast that's so big. And Quark and Odo save the day. Quark and Odo, yeah. Besties forever. The dynamic duo of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Ryan, any thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, like you said, I thought it was going to be an O'Brien episode the way it started, which kind of got me excited because I like that character. Uh, he was getting shit on a lot because everything was broken. Seems like he's the only guy on the space station who can actually fix something. And then, of course, he's the first one that goes down with the virus. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the rest of them are SOL. <laughs> and they slowly start getting ticked off, you know, off the little check, you know, you can make a little list. It's like, oh, there goes another one, there goes another. Slowly but surely, all the commanders, and and then, yeah, it was Odo was the only, you know, Odo, uh, 
Quark, the doctor they kidnap. <laughs> That's all that was left. I thought that as we referred to him as the uh, the hairy captain was going to have you know be more of a uh, the you know had something to do with planting it, but uh, I was wrong. No, just an old war relic that was damn like terrorist. a mine like a minefield just sitting there waiting for somebody to step on it yep. essentially. Jen, any any additional thoughts that we haven't covered? I always like Star Trek episodes that have to do with like space viruses and space illnesses. I always find that those are are interesting because in the Star Trek universe, it seems that they have they're able to control so much of their environment, you know, through computers and through replicators and space travel and treaties and all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that they they can't control are viruses and illnesses. Mm-hmm. And when you're in space and exposed to so many different races, you're obviously going to have so many different new viruses. So I always like it when Star Trek does stuff like that. Uh, pretty typical Star Trek episode, really, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And a one-and-done space virus, but uh, pretty good. Not well-paced, not yeah. slow or anything. Yeah, it had nothing to do with an overarching you know, story or anything. It was just a nice little, you know, little... Yet there were nods to the history of the station with yeah, the, yeah. you know, uh, Kira jumping to the conclusion that it's a Cardassian plot and mm. the Bajoran terrorists are still in the background. So, you know, while not advancing any plots, it did it it did Added its job yeah, by keeping yeah. that, that in the forefront. It does a little bit of good quark character work with Quark. Yes. Like, like, you know, we now know Quark is a little bit more thieving and... Yeah, but he's also a good guy. Obviously, he'll do what he has to when he needs to. And yeah, he's lo- he's out for number one, but he also kind of cares about the people on the station. And- yeah, because at the especially very least, Odo. Yeah, and uh, and I really noticed like this is really this episode really uh, for Odo and Quark really cemented the characters. Mm-hmm. Like from what I remember later on in the series, it, like. At least, at least Quark definitely. This is like he he got the feel of it by this episode, and he he basically gets the ball and runs with it for the yeah. next little while. Um, no, Garrick. I guess he I guess he didn't get sick, or maybe he was off station, or we didn't yeah. see him or anything. No, Garrick. He was at a tailored convention. A tailored convention. He's <laughs> on buying some new fabric on the other side of the wormhole. No, it could be. Yeah, or or doing spy stuff that we're not supposed to know about yep. and such things, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so far we're four episodes in on Deep Space Nine, and still there like, hasn't really been a clunker yet. I'm, I'm oh. waiting for it. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. it's almost at that point where it's like, okay, this one's got to be one that's going to bore the I, I kind of had that feeling coming in tonight. I was like, oh, is this going to be <clears> one that's going to be? Am I going to fall asleep watching this tonight? But no, it uh, held my attention. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, we will uh, jump ahead a little bit to. Uh, oh wait, wait! Oh wait! We oh, had wait. an Odo transformation. Oh yes, we've been. We uh, Ryan's been keeping track of the Odo transformations. Today he was a drink cart. <laughs> have so, we mentioned all the other transformations yeah, yet? What, what do you yes, have so well, far? Well, he was a chair, a bag, and a rat, mm-hmm. all in one episode. I think that was episode. Was that three or two? Hmm. He changed into something in the first episode because we needed to. He needed to solidify himself as a shapeshifter. Yeah, but we well, keep, he dodged we a the chair list. or something, didn't he? It was like a fight mm. or a punch, and he just kind of went, <laughs> which is really good for the people who are listening to this because I made a hand gesture. Yes, I really hope all and the, the gurgly sound. <laughs> I really hope that gurgly sound translates really well through podcasting. That's awesome. 
That might be our, our new end thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as always, uh, we have Ask Alex time. Because uh, my friend Alex James, uh, nerd musician and Star Trek ep- expert, uh, we bug him with our Star Trek questions. And uh, last time, we asked him, what is the Star Trek universe's version of pot? Uh, I think because we were wondering about the drug usage in Star Trek. And the response I got was pretty well written. Ooh, excuse me. We're drinking beer, hence the, the burping. Well, three, uh, two of us were drinking beer. <laughs> uh, we're a classy podcast. Some of us have to drive home tonight. <laughs> that's a, Some of us don't live far away. Alex's response was, that's a really good question. There, There's, uh, okay... Oh, his spacing got weird. Uh, there are drugs in the Star Trek universe, but none of them really mimic the effects of marijuana. The closest they ever came was the TNG episode with the, the game uh, Riker Brings Back from Risa. Mm-hmm. We talked about that one. Yeah, um, and we, we did mention that was a possibility. Otherwise, most drugs are either weaponized or else the subject of Reagan-era PSA-style episodes. <laughs> which he's, he's, true. he's fairly accurate on that one. <laughs> and to be fair, the Riker game was weaponized as well. Trek doesn't really fuck with recreational addictions. <laughs> a hollow addiction. Yeah, hollow holodecks uh, are pretty good. But even those, when you like get addicted to the holodeck, it's not like you know just like sort of addiction or like cigarette addiction. It's no. like. Full blown heroin addiction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the real wrong. world is anymore. Yeah. Addiction. Yeah. Um, every time it's brought up, it's usually a bad thing. Uh, see, Barkley's all deck addiction. There so we even go. he see? brings We're it all up. on the same page. I mean, uh, Janeway loves her some coffee, and so did uh, Jedzia Dax, but it's seen as a fun addiction rather than a real caffeine addiction, mm. even though it is clear, clearly is, especially on Janeway's part. Yes. Well, Cisco and O'Brien today, too. There's a lot of coffee today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm do you, okay, this is, this is where you get into the, the minutiae and stupidity of certain things. Do you think that Cisco drinks coffee as a, in Janeway to a certain extent to so differentiate himself away from. Uh, Tea or Grey Hot? Yep. Yeah. Do you think it was a conscious choice or was it just something they threw in because. You know, English people like uh, tea. He's <laughs> not English. He's French. Picard is French. That's right. Um, I, I don't know. In the universe where the French took over, I know the English took conquered over France. France. I mean, yeah, it's been years since I've watched the series, but I know later on the drink of choice on Deep Space Nine is Raktagino, the Klingon coffee. So, mm. uh, is that like Turkish coffee? Uh, except Klingon-y. Except Klingon-y. Now with 100% more Klingon. More blood. I wonder if it tastes like that coffee that they make from the coffee beans that the monkeys eat and then poop out. That the oh, yeah. Beans. I wonder if it tastes like Probably. that. Probably. Monkey poop coffee? That's pretty good stuff. So. Well, I, didn't, I, I didn't believe I, I've put my theory forward of what the matter is that the, the replicators use. I think I said that on a previous yes. episode. Yes, you did. And so it's and, all organic and, matter. Yeah, and so your theory could, could be, be right. right. <laughs> Much like Soylent Green, it's people. Well, they established in this episode tonight that there's no actual real food on Deep Space Nine. That it's all replicators. All of it is replicated. Yep. So, yeah, which seems to me to be a pretty bad plan. 
Just I you mean, lose power, you can't eat. You can't. You shouldn't yourself. be one hundred percent dependent. Yeah, but if you lose power, all the stuff you're storing is going to go bad anyway. I guess well, that's it, true. Especially, but I mean, they've got to make put it outside in the airlock. That'll keep it cold. <laughs> Vacuum sealed. They, they've they've got to make like protein bars or like the nasty food that's oh. good just to survive like, on that I know like army get, rations our yeah. fleet does have rations yeah because yeah. they mentioned that on like I believe it's I can't tell you which one but I believe it's a next gen episode where their the away team is stuck because of a solar storm or Q or yeah. lord knows what else and they <laughs> mentioned something about rations so I imagine there is some but you, You'd you'd think that like it, Jen's right though, especially on a space station. Yeah, it's they must have some fresh food somewhere because just kind of, you would think that a, is that a our, people as spiritual as the Bajorans would have dietary restrictions too because they have fresh food on the spaceships like Voyager constantly. Well, was, well Voyager had no choice because they didn't they didn't really have uh, um, energy supplies. That was the whole thing. They well, were yeah, so they had to ration the yeah. And more on McMustache in this episode. Now it doesn't clearly state what he's shipping, but he says it's going to go sport. bad yeah. before he gets more on McMustache. Well, he was. He tried to back out of the space station while being clamped. I thought we were calling him Captain Fuzzface. It's like uh, both. It works. It's like trying to drive away with one of those parking boots on yeah, exactly. your wheel. You might be able to pull it off, but not for long, and it just does damage. It'll ruin your car. Yeah, yep. that plot line. I, I didn't care for that plot line. Like we it, it was we don't, needless. Yeah, we, we we've no. already got the tension of everybody on the station being sick and everybody on the station's gonna die. Did we need? Did we also need the? Oh my God! The spaceship's gonna tear the station apart. Plot I, as I well. would. Did I we would need argue. Attention again. I would argue that plot was more to um, explain more of the characters between the characterization of Quark and, Quark and, and Odo, Odo, because you needed to show Quark as more trustworthy than he lets on to be, mm-hmm. and that he has his, you know, even though he's a, a thief and a scoundrel, and um, Odo doesn't like says he doesn't like him that they actually when the, all the chips are on the table they do trust each other and they mm-hmm. trust each other to get through mm-hmm. so i think it was important for that <laughs> they kind of needed something for them to do too right like kira was off kidnapping a doctor <laughs> everybody else is sick if they didn't have that to That's deal true. with the two of them would just be sitting there twiddling their thumbs but they could have taken them completely out of the episode yeah. if they weren't going to do that little subplot yeah. but yeah. Like i think they did pretty much everybody else yeah they, i think they, it was well, important for them the to be besties pretty quick dax dax got eliminated pretty quick yeah yeah well that's a, I, that's a writer thing to, yeah. too you have to find a balance between like when in each episode characters you're using mm-hmm. and how to explain when certain ones aren't like next generation. If you watch it all the time, whenever somebody's not in an episode, there's usually a one-off line saying that they're at a conference somewhere yeah. or they're doing this or they're, or sometimes they just ignore that person altogether. Yeah, or... And that person is usually Deanna Troy. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I've been rewatching next gen lately and you would be amazed at the number of episodes that we can't have Deanna around because her powers would would screw up our plot. Yeah. So we just we like, just don't she's even explain. Seen but not her, or, or, or not even she's seen. not even there. Well, she's too busy dealing with people's holodeck addictions. <laughs> Being or mind tra- raped. There you go. Being mind raped, or just trying to get that hair all up. That's true. <laughs> it's like that alone. 
That's a, like, or if she hit, like, she comes out of the shower, that's like a three hour drying process. <laughs> I always that thought that she must dryers. have like the worst headache having all of that hair on top of her head. Because mm. I have very thick hair, and if I have it in a ponytail for a long time, I get a headache. It's Bajoran hair. It's zero, it's, it's lightweight. Not Bajoran. Not Bajoran. It starts with a buh. She's beta Z. Beta Zoid. Yeah. That's uh, that's Den messaging things, and I, I have to send a message to Alex. So, <laughs> so we're. I don't. I think people. the sound is too bleep. I don't think that it's picking it up. It's too uh, quiet. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it'll go directly into the program or not. We'll find so out. we'll find out. Our question of the week. I'm wondering if we should go with the produce one. Yeah. Like, and like yeah. what's the backup? Why isn't there a backup? I guess they're not that far from the planet. No, well, but they're far enough. They're not, but well, if all the power goes out, then how are they going to get the airlocks open to launch the shuttles to go to Manual the planet? Oda will use those levers. Yeah, <laughs> they were levers. There's got to be manual overrides. They use those all the time to open and close things, right? Little, there's always a little red handle uh, hidden in the wall that they pull or push, then it forces the doors to close. <laughs> Just in the nick of time. Um, so uh, the way I'm phrasing it is, uh, what's the standard backup for food in on in Star Trek on ships, DS9, etc., when the replicators don't work? I think that's a pretty fair go. one, uh, explaining it. Um, that's something I... I <coughs> excuse me. Um, that I noticed this episode more than anything else is how like the design of the station is different than... The ships and probably like intentionally so. Like the doors don't slide; they they roll back. They roll back. Well, they, you know, it's a different like, alien species. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I like how they yeah. they, they made and specific choices because in Klingon all Klingon ships, all the doors slide. I love that, like that all right? the major sets are multi level. Like there's mm-hmm. a working elevator on the ops set that people ascend. Like so, when you're in that ops set. You're on the you're on the second floor because it's got to be high enough up that when that elevator goes down, a, a person disappears. Yeah, disappears. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And there were scenes on the stairs and the promenade, and I just like those different, interesting yeah. camera angles and those different kind of settings and 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 shots you can get on that cool multi level set. That would have been really cool to visit because yeah. you yes. picture it as being one. You know, it's more or less. A, it's that section of, of the space station is one piece. Maybe you can pull pieces back. A, you know, to and question I'll ask together, Alex but. later on is how many stages that set must have taken up. Yeah, yeah. at least one of one of the bigger a ones giant they had one, yeah. between that and I imagine they had the medical set. You could probably wheel in and wheel out. Yeah. But, but the promenade, the rooms that you redress for each thing, right? The, but promenade, the promenade set looks gigantic. Yeah, how big is it? Yeah, that's yeah. a good question. I think it also helps that it's not a really um, fancy set. Like it's not really uh, decorated, or no. it's very um, stark and industrial. But it's interesting. Yeah. It is very interesting looking. But I think that helps with it being such a big set and able mm-hmm. for them to like move stuff around because. Uh, it's not like oh we can't put that piece in here because it's bright pink. I wonder how hard <laughs> it was for directors to be able to set up shots when the, when you've got stairs and catwalks and elevators and yeah. I'm I'm kind of wanting to watch like a making of DS9 now. Be, Somewhere some I point. do have a DS9 behind the scenes book. Um, there's a book called The Making of yeah, Deep Space Nine because I'd be curious 
like with the promenade, you could probably get away with making half of it mm-hmm. and then just redressing it and shooting it from different angles and stuff like mm-hmm. that to get the full thing. But there's certain shots where they kind of wheel around and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like I'd be really curious what went into the the physical design of that set. The other set piece that I was taking notes during the show that I liked, I liked that it's you know on next gen they had the conference table which looked like a, your typical boardroom in any kind of office, but on Deep Space Nine they've got that cool table with the light up um, display on it, and they just yeah. sort of stand around it in the middle of ops. So whenever they need to have a meeting, they're right there in the middle of everything. I, I thought that's a very cool um, setup. I wonder if part of that's lessons they learned from Next Gen, right? Mm. Is like the like because I imagine that's partially why they had the ready room in Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Is like somebody figured out like, oh crap, we need somewhere to sit them down so they're all kind of looking at one another, mm-hmm. and then like, okay, so make this room, and then like when it came to this series, like. We need somewhere where they all have to talk to each other. And, and some designer went, I know what to do. We did this already. Yeah. We'll just do it <laughs> yeah. right from the start. Yeah, and they put it in that, it's sort of in, in a pit. Like, yeah. In a, and yeah, so you can look down at them and you can see all around the table. I think there were four of them at that table today. Yeah. I so like overall, that. here's a question <laughs> for you. So we all, you know, we've already talked about how Starfleet and all that, they're not really, you know, if you're part of the Federation, you're not really getting paid. Right, right. You're getting, but everything's taken care of, and you, everybody's got replicators. Like on the command deck, there's mm-hmm. all these replicators. Uh, everybody's own, everybody's suite has a replicator. If you've got your own replicator, why are you going to Quarks to pay for replicated food? That's a very interesting <coughs> question. I guess in some ways, it's like for some people it would be like going to a restaurant. Yeah, right? it's like so, you can make like a social aspect. what a majority of at the pub we all go to on Thursdays. But still, it but would be the exact same because it's a replicator, meaning it replicates yeah, things. Right. So it should be the same. Oh, that's another good question. Yeah, I, I do think the social aspect is part of it. I also think... Oh, yeah. Um, I wonder... Um, a lot of the people who who frequent Quarks aren't station residents. No. Well, no, but yeah. we through. even saw like in today's where he invited uh, Jatzia in for some pudding. Yeah. Well, but I think that was more of a social thing. Well, for sure. Yeah. yeah but still, what? You know, maybe. And how are they paying for it? If uh, maybe there's exclusive recipes. Because I know you can program recipes into uh, now, see, the, in the replicators. Case, yeah, maybe the Quartz has a certain set or has more variety. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. the alien species. And I think there's a replimat. Yeah, they mentioned that's the another. Yeah. That's like a, 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 a cafeteria, I guess. I think we see that in the future. Uh, yeah. Once morphs around, because I think he's. They mentioned about... the replimat already on one of the earlier episodes. Yeah. I love the word replimat. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what my Star Trek series would be. The replimat. Be about the poor schmo who the works re- in the replimat. The replimat <coughs> Nazi. No replimat for you. No replimat for you. All right, so we have come to the end of this episode. Um, as, as listeners may have noticed, uh, we're in the middle of Canadian winter, which means three out of four of us have little bits of colds and stuff going on. Mine's almost gone, thank goodness. Yeah, mine, mine never really started, but it's still kind of here. I'm not sick, and I can't get sick because I can't miss work. Yeah. So, and, That's just but, cool. uh, 
uh, along with that, we have, as always, uh, our picks of the episode. So we'll start with Kevin and go around the table. Kevin, what would you like people to read, listen to, whatever? So I am in the middle of watching the last serial that the second Doctor was in. Uh, so it's the it's a 1969 Doctor Who serial called War Games. Uh, I'm it's a 10 or 12 episode story arc, which is Wow. Long for, for Doctor Who. Now, how long were episodes of Doctor Who at they that were, point? They were uh, half, half an hour. hour. They were half an hour. So we're looking at a six-hour yeah, miniseries. Yeah, still pretty. Really. Uh, it's the last uh, Patrick Troughton serial, and it's the first time that the Time Lords are mentioned. And it's a really cool setup uh, with, um, well, the TARDIS materializes in what they think is World War One Earth. And it turns out that there's this fog around the area that they're in. And if you cross through the fog, you'll end up in a different war. Maybe the U.S. Civil War. Maybe a Roman War. Uh, Interesting. uh, It turns out that there are some people behind a a time war that's going on. So it's really the first Doctor Who serial that deals with the minutiae of time travel. And the it's the first time we hear the word Time Lord on the show. And the show had been on the air for six years at that point. Yeah. And the Doctor had never been referred to as a Time Lord up till this huh. point. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, everyone assumed that the Doctor was human for the first six years that the show was on. So, yes, the ni- the final 1969 serial, The War Games, is what I'm recommending. Ryan. Uh, well, I hadn't really come up with a good one, but now I've got an idea. I'm going to keep in the Doctor Who the- uh, you know, theme here. Did anybody else watch the class? I only watched the first episode. No. No, I haven't seen it. Okay, you all need to watch it. Is it good? It's good. It's only like, it might have been six episodes, eight episodes tops. Like, it's not a very long one. You know, it's first season, Mm -hmm. probably trying it out. Um, Really, other than the fact that it's at Cole Hill Mm -hmm. Academy, uh, the Doctor appears in the first episode. And I think they name dropped the Doctor a couple other times. it's very much like, you know, like Torchwood, like the Sarah Jane Chronicles, where it could be just any regular sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, series, especially this one, considering, you know, there's no other Doctor Who people in it. Right. It's just English sci-fi show happens to be connected to the, to the Doctor Who universe. But uh, it's pretty good. Like, it reminds me a lot of, like, Buffy. Okay. With where it's, you know, you got your little, you got your little team of high school-aged people, you know, kids, teen, you know, people... Saving the day. They're the mm-hmm. only ones that know what's going on. Uh, people die. Mm. There's aliens. Is There's... the first season done now? Yeah, it's done now. How many episodes? Like I just said, I don't know. Like eight, six or eight. Really? So it's pretty short for yeah, season. It's well, short. it's a British it's show, British, so yeah. meh. <laughs> um, they get the old Google fire up. Wikipediaing it here. Or we're using an old-fashioned ticker tape. I'm going to episodes and just... Pick out these little sound bite things. Yep. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed it, and I can't. I, you know, I hope it gets to the second season. There are eight episodes. There we go. And I would recommend it to any Who fan out there, especially, or to any just if you just like good sci-fi. Like All the Who's down in Whoville, exactly. <laughs> and the Grinch's heart grew through two foot. It's sizes. too bad you can't see eye rolls on a podcast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think you can hear my eyes rolling. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Jen? I am, as always, recommending that everybody go read Squirrel Girl. Yep. 
And yes, I'm going to do this every episode until somebody messages me and says, please stop. We were reading Squirrel Girl. Somebody should message Ryan North and just let him know that you're doing this. (laughs) Yes, please do. I really want him to come to the next Comic-Con I help organize. Um, So, but the other thing I'm going to recommend is Batgirl. Um, This is volume two. Yeah. Is that the Gail Simone Batgirl? No, this is this the is, uh, Cameron Stewart. Oh, okay. Uh, this is Burnside Batgirl. Burnside Batgirl. Batgirl of Burnside. Um, this I just am reading volume two of the trade, um, and I'm pretty sure I already read it. I think I got it out of the library. But I really like Batgirl, and I love the new look, where. Um, and I love the art style. The the practical look of Batgirl. Yeah, like she's wearing boots, she's wearing docks, and oh, she's yeah, wearing costume. She's wearing a little short cape and you know she looks comfortable, which is really, really rare in a female superhero. <laughs> she she like it looks like something a normal person would wear. And Batwoman shows up in this for a little bit, very, very quickly. And Commissioner Gordon, Batman. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon is Batman. I'm pretty sure I read I think I might actually have that in, that run in singles. Yeah. It might have been when I was still actually It know, collects Batgirls 41 to 45, Yeah, if that helps. It anyway, I quite Stewart, enjoy it. Cameron Babs Tarr, and... Uh, you don't have Sticks. to look it up. It's on the front of the book. Yeah, but it's only got the last name, says, isn't it? No, it's right there. Cameron oh, Stewart. <laughs> I can read the front of the book. Oh. Anyway, I quite like this Batgirl. She's, as I was saying, she's more modern. She's... Uh, more comfortable she's intelligent um she kicks butt but she uses her brain a lot and um if you haven't picked it up yet i really like uh, intelligent superheroes as opposed to the powerful and strong in those instances so that's why i like squirrel girl that's why i like batgirl and i think everybody should read this batgirl um i'm gonna go the sort of opposite route of the smart intelligent thing and yet we're Um, still married my uh my recommendation uh just for more out of curiosity's sake is i picked up the other day uh boom comics uh omnibus of frank miller's robocop oh which is the uh for our listeners who are unaware uh frank miller wrote treatment like wrote scripts for robocop 2 and Mm. robocop 3 that were more or less not used. Oh, I thought they used his scripts. He, he gets story credit on both of them, but there are major differences in them. Mm. And um, I can't... I, I haven't decided whether I actually like the comics or not. <laughs> it's, it's weird. But it's really interesting to see. Now, it, it would also, again, be kind of like this is through the lens of somebody else, because it was Stephen Grant adapted the script for it. Frank Miller didn't work on... On the comics? On the comic. He did some covers and stuff like that, but... It, and the back cover says he supervises it, so who knows what that actually <laughs> means. But it's... it's It neat. means he got a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> but it's neat to see the differences between what could have been and what was. Mm. And, like, right away, one of the things you can tell is, like, and with most comics, is uh, for RoboCop 2, it wouldn't have been able to be made because the budget would have to be that of, like, mm-hmm. Avatars 2 through 4. <laughs> like, there's explosions <laughs> everywhere. RoboCop 2 is... Well, it could have just been 18, a Michael Bay movie, then. Yeah, 18 million feet tall. Um, but there are definite things that they took from his script in it. I haven't gotten to 3 yet, but if you're curious how... Hollywood works. 
for lack of a better term, and to see how things can change from what's written to what gets produced. Check it out. Like, I'm not sure. I I honestly can't say if I would buy it, but check it out from your local library or or something like that. Or if there's a good deal on Comixology, like, you know, get get it at a reasonable price. But it's really kind of an interesting end. Juan Jose uh, Rip, I think his last name is, is a really interesting artist on the book. He's very super detailed. He's one. Yeah, of those... I scanned through it when I when you were buying it last week when we ran into each other at uh, the comic shop, and the artwork looked good. Like it looked interesting. He's uh, he's the guy for the longest time. He was an Avatar artist, and that's where these books originally came from. Was Avatar uh, put them out first, and then the license passed to Boom, and I guess as part of the license, so does everything else, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just avatar art tends to have certain looks to it. It tends yeah. to be really detailed. You tend to be able to do gore really well because that's what a lot of books call for. But there's something about his art that really sticks out in it. So, um, yeah, take a, take a gander at that. It's, it's worth, uh, checking it out cheaply and just the see how Hollywood works. And, you know, Robocop is batshit insane anyways. So it does fit. <laughs> And which brings us to uh, the end of the episode. Yay! We got Yay! another one in the can, and we don't hate each other yet. <laughs> so only 174 more episodes of Deep Space Nine oh to go. Lord, yeah. When you put that, uh, how many years of this podcast will we do? We're just gonna power through it in the next uh, yeah, six weeks. We'll do a season per episode. There you go. <laughs> um, and on that note, Kevin, where can they find us around the interwebs? We are at True North Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we don't have a lot there yet, but it'll come. Uh, on Facebook, you can find our group called True North Nerds. It is a secret group, but if you search for us, you can find us and we will let you right in. And that's where we will post any updates about uh, release dates and things like that. So, and um, we have a Twitter. And our, our Twitter is at True North Nerds. And our email is truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Yeah, so uh, follow us, write us, all that sort of stuff. Uh, hopefully by the time these episodes start airing, we'll be a little bit more current. We wanted to bank episodes just to make sure we got them out and stuff. So there there could be episodes that are, will be fairly recent by the time these come out. We'll, we'll, we'll see how everything goes. In the, in the meantime, for uh, Kevin, Ryan, and Jen, this is Brent, and uh, have yourself a good one wherever you may be in this strange, wonderful universe of ours. Set your phasers to sexy. been listening to the true north nerds recorded at the utility cupcake research kitchen reach the nerds on twitter at true north nerds on facebook under surprise true north nerds and you can reach them by email at true north nerds at gmail.com if you like the opening theme song it's called set your phasers to sexy by kirby crackle from the album sounds like you Please go to KirbyCrackleMusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. <laughs>